0: Jeff, we have not recorded together since before the season started, and it is week seven.
1: And (laughs) we got one or two, didn't we? I know we we did a little individual action.
0: Yeah, Uh, I have a new child. uh, Yeah, congratulations. Harvey came to us uh, three weeks ago, and he is happy and healthy.
1: Was Was Harvey Specter the? I don't know
0: so we, one. we were having so he was a surprise i did we didn't know whether it it's boy or girl and i was hoping it was a boy one because i feel like <laughs> boys are easier to parent yeah. than girls for example the other day baker was like talking back to my wife and we and then he i was like oh you think you're tough and he said yeah i'm gonna beat you up and he Punched my leg and I barely felt anything. And I shoved him, and he fell over onto his bed. <laughs> and then he didn't care anymore. You can just be, you know, it's you can just tone a man up, you know, a little bit, yeah. and it's, uh, it's a little different than the girls. Like you got to be sensitive when you're a girl, dad, and like they feeling. Only, it it really only gets worse. Just like, oh, you need to be a man. You think you're going to be a man? I'll show you what a man's like. Uh, and <laughs> so there's definitely uh that aspect. But also, I had like we had no idea for girl names and boy names we had like a couple and then i don't remember where it came from it was like on some baby name app it was like harvey it was like okay harvey we're like harvey hayes that works um so they have the same middle name both after my father-in-law it's hayes which mm. is short for jesus because jesus McClintock doesn't really roll off the tongue well, um like a little too white for that so we have to anglicize it a bit but it was like okay that sticks and then we're like oh that sounds good and then my wife like after she said that she was like oh what is he gonna like grow up and be some superstar lawyer like harvey specter and i was like not opposed to that so it was yeah. unintentional but he ends up being harvey
1: specter is anybody mad here no there's worse things to be I- i'm actually watching suits again right now everybody is it's Spoiler like they're,
0: netflix they're doing a they're doing a spin another spin-off because oh, of man, how popular one? it's gotten like done again Because yeah. pearson sucked yeah, Pearson sucked, but I think Netflix bought the rights to it. And I think they said because it's like gotten more like popular again since they put it on, it's mm. it's coming off.
1: Yeah, we're 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 about to the point that I stopped paying attention. Because we watched it when it was in like real time, like still on the air, watching every week on USA. Uh, so we've rewatched it a couple of times. I enjoy it, but now, spoiler alert, Mike's in prison, and really after that storyline kind of runs its course, the show kind of goes south.
0: That's true. And then every, I feel like rewatching it is also harder because when you watch it, you're like, oh, yeah, Rachel Zane, yes. And then now you're like, Meghan Markle's such a B in real life that it ruins her character, since that's literally yeah. the only show she was ever no, in. No,
1: no, 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 Her character sucked to begin with. Like, okay, she again, didn't suck to look at. And I'm not really that sold there either. Like, I know I'm the minority, but like, I'm not that. Anyway, uh, no. Okay spoiler alert if you have not watched suits and you plan on it or you're just starting it and you're not into season five yet then go ahead and just fast forward like three minutes because i'm about to go on a rant and really the show's like 10 years old it's on you if you haven't seen it at this point and you're
0: ruining, That's I'm true. ruining
1: things for you mike gets his sentence right walk with me here he's got 72 hours to report to prison do you remember i had forgotten that Rachel takes one of those days and is like, I'm so mad at you. I know you only have three days, but one of those is going to have to be for me. And she doesn't. I forgot out. about that. It's like that embodies everything that is Rachel's Zane. Like earlier, it's like, I, I don't know. I didn't get to go to Harvard. Now I can only go to Columbia or Stanford and my life is ruined. Holy moly. That is a lot like becoming the princess of a country that you weren't born in and then complaining about it.
0: And then now she wants to run for senator in California.
1: Oh, well, very good.
0: She, to replace the what's-her-face Feinstein. <laughs> I
1: mean, whatever. I don't care. So
0: it's, it, it suits, I do like it, though. That was, I feel like USA hasn't had a good show. I mean, they had that run where it was like, there was always at least one really good USA show. Like, it was like, monk like that monk and psych and they had white collar suits. oh yeah white so was like, collar.
1: Like, that was good for a minute yeah white they collar had, was uh, inspired by uh what's his name frank abagnale oh, catch
0: who me who was full of crap and was not real but in his book he lied and said that at one point if you in the catch me if you can book like his memoir that he wrote yeah. which all of it is made up none of the they found that like none of his stories have never been corroborated of like his fake identities that he had. But one of the things, stories I made up in the book was that he was a law professor at BYU.
1: Uh, I've seen this. I've heard about this. In fact, I went on a weird Frank Abagnale kick and was watching like some of his old interviews with like Johnny Carson and stuff. So back after he got caught and then started to become mainstream and he talked about that. And I thought it was true. I didn't know that they had like disproven any of that.
0: Yeah, there's been people because he like said the mm-hmm. names of, like, oh, well, yeah, I came up with this character and that character. And it's like people were like asked around, I'm like, finals, Oh, okay. You worked at this company in this office mm-hmm. in this year. You said you were there for three years. We talked to people who worked there. No one ever, like, I guess let, no would, one, none of these people recognized you. No.
1: Why would we be surprised by that? Like, I, it's true. on, man. One yeah, story that he told, it's, it's one of my favorite stories. And I don't care if it's true or not, it's true for me. Uh, he was yeah, he was at a high-end hotel and there was a, uh, how do you put this delicately, a uh, harlot that was there at the hotel and he had no idea, you know, what the the running rate was for a lady of the night. So he struck up a conversation with this lady and she said, well, how much do you think I'm worth? And he said something, I'm making up the numbers, like $200. And she's like, no way, not even close. And then he's like, okay, well, 600 $600. And some negotiation happens and lo and behold, they land on a thousand bucks. So they go up to the room and he's going to pay her up front. That was part of the agreement. And he says, but I just got to run downstairs and I got to go cash this check. And she's like, just make the check payable to me. And he's like, no, 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 don't you see? Like this check is for $1,400 and our agreement was a thousand. And she's like, well, how about I just give you $400 cash? And then you give me that check. It's <laughs> even better. And in my head, that's... I don't care if it's true or not. That's awesome. And I'm sure that check did not clear. Yeah. So, it feels like it would have been so easy to be a fraudster, which, by the way, is a stupid word. Fraudster is like that's the technical true. name. That just sounds like like Dr. Seuss decided how it. Well, time.
0: it's like a con man, like some of the... It's like Con is short for confidence. It's just like someone
1: who's who's making it up and just acting like you belong. (laughs) It's very dumb. So anyway, uh, yeah, first show in a long time with the two of us together. Sorry for the sound quality. You're traveling for work. I'm traveling for not work. And where I I am. I am
0: am at the Grand Hyatt in San Diego. I am in
1: a lovely little cabin in Eden, Utah. So.
0: How, is it other apple? Any apple trees around you? Right outside. My weekend, actually.
1: Yep, right don't eat outside. that.
0: No. So yeah. it it has been it has been a while, and it is week seven of the season. Uh, we hit a low point. I well, at least I hope it's a low point of the season. I don't want to. I don't want to go lower than losing by thirty three. Um, well, and the way they it
1: lost, the way they it's, lost it, by thirty three,
0: and and that's what I. I mean, I don't expect to go undefeated every year. Like you either got to be Georgia or you have to like, you got to have some luck bounce your way to go undefeated. Right. And there's, I mean, very few teams, programs have an undefeated regular season and you need some luck. So it's like, I don't care about losing games. Um, You know, I try, I care more about the inputs, right? Like it's, it's the output. Like if you do everything the way you're supposed to do it, then you're going to win most of the time. There may be some fluky things that happens. That's why we love sports is because it can look like you're backed into a corner and then some freak thing happens like that Houston, West Virginia game last week. And you know, that, that happens, but it's just absolutely getting destroyed from like the third snap of the game or whenever that pick six was and just never recovering. And it's, I know we like, I, I mean, crew Wakely is getting a ton of heat for that penalty. And which it just didn't perfect. materially affect the outcome of the game, but it's just like, it, it's a that very was, singular moment where it's only, just like, the,
1: the only you momentum it? BYU had no momentum. Yeah. That's not why BYU lost the game, but the only chance that they had of maybe getting back into that game. Yeah. Was they had just cut it down to two scores and we're using two scores loosely. They'd cut it down to 24 to eight, right? So two max scores, but they right. cut it down to two scores and i i think that that happened on a second down that would have led to like a third and 13 or something stupid and so it was like okay if if they BYU would have been able to get that ball back and then maybe go and score even if it's a field goal there was some juice that was the only right. four plays that BYU had any juice
0: yeah and, he and it took was
1: that juice and he just dumped it all over the road and he made sure that it evaporated before anybody could even like lap up a morsel, like a cat, like the, the juice was dead.
0: Yeah. And it's just like one, when you're getting your ass flipped, there's no reason to be acting like that in the first place. And two, I just, I have zero, like when there's, I have zero patience for completely unforced errors like that one. is just like, mm-hmm. it's not like, you know, there's one thing when you have a mental mistake of, and Jay Hill talked about this on the Coordinator Corner, right? Where there's like, you know, you have the, they struggled with alignments issues a bunch. With Morenbaum Balma starting, like moving Jacob Robinson back safety a little bit. Like it was, they struggled a bunch and with alignments. And it's like if you in a new offense, you're in a new or a new defense, you're in a new position. The Bryles offense is hard to defend. That's why pretty much most people struggle with it. Why yeah. anything in that system is because they use a lot of motions when you're trying to count, like you know, I've got the third receiver, then they do a motion. You guys get twisted the wrong way. Like that's, I get, you know, that happens, but it's like, that is just such an unnecessary thing to yeah. just like do that. And, and it, that's not a new thing. Like you've been told not to act like that since the first time you strapped your pads on when you were nine years old.
1: So I've seen people say, you know, regarding that play, like, Oh, but I love that he had juice. Give me a player with fire. And I, I get that. And, and I understand that. And, and crew Wakely, I think he, okay, this play notwithstanding, Uh, People, just because he's a walk-on, and Ethan Slade is in the same category, just because they're walk-ons and weren't expected to be very good, people assume they're bad. But those two have played well. Are they going to be in the NFL? No. But like they've played well enough from the safety position. Every time a pass is completed, 15 yards downfield, it's not the safety's fault. Sometimes it is, but not every time. Yeah. And I feel like those guys, and Tanner Wall is in the same boat, I feel like those guys are getting like blamed for every, yeah. every long pass. And it, they shouldn't be. But here's the thing. So I've heard people say, I love the fire from, uh, from Crew Wakely. Give me a player with that kind of fire. This wasn't a late hit out of bounds. Like, this wasn't like you were just going so hard that you made a mistake. This was just a dumbass penalty. Like, this was, yeah. you lost total control of where you were at in the game what the scenario was i mean this was the equivalent of a you know a, a baseball player right <laughs> somebody hits a double in the gap and then on the next play thinks that there's two outs and just leaves so you just like hit this double in the gap you're feeling juiced you're giving your t- your team a chance to score and then the guy behind you flies out to center. And you go around in third and they double you up at second because you just had no game awareness whatsoever. Like that's what Crew right. did. Yep. That's what he did. And so that wasn't the penalty, wasn't a fire penalty. The penalty wasn't like, oh yeah, give me a guy who's just going balls to the wall and did a little too much. That's not what he did. It wasn't, it was taunting. Like he stood over the top of a dude and he did it right in front of his head coach. That's just like you, you can't there's work.
0: multiple levels of stupid here.
1: Yeah, and, and we're talking about it like it's just Crew Wakely. And, and, I mean, it, it was just Crew Wakely on Saturday, right, because that was the only juice that BYU had, and he, he killed it. But, like, in any <laughs> in any given game, like, it's the ineligible receiver stuff, right, the illegal touching, like these just stupid mental mistakes that aren't physical mistakes. It's not I'm playing too hard and I, I messed up. It's not I tried to jump a route and I – was way off. It's not even an interception that you tried to force it into somewhere. That you, it was a bad decision and a bad window. It was just a dumbass mistake. And BYU has had at least one, usually more, of those dumbass mistakes every every week. And that is what's frustrating. Yeah. Although not getting called for alignment
0: issues anymore on offense. Hey, you got called for one of those. So they got called for two, I think, even. Yeah, they did get called for two of those. So it's something that the Big Twelve they're really narking on
1: oh, this year. On. But they, um, you know, it just—I I have another take. I want to hear your take um, because I've seen multiple reality. I don't know what to say. I've I've seen multiple flavors of of people saying what's good and what's bad. Um, here's my take: the receivers played poorly very yes. poorly that doesn't mean when i say that the, pl- the receivers played poorly and that they were not getting open anywhere near enough that doesn't mean that they were never open that doesn't mean that every receiver sucked all the time i thought chase played a pretty good game
0: i like, did see there was one take that was like if you give them long enough you will like the receivers will get open it's like uh that's yeah, literally that might every, be true. like you you cannot cover everyone forever but right. that long enough can't be you know, yeah. 50 seconds.
1: <laughs> right. So there's that. Uh, but like by and large, and, and and like Parker Kingston. Yeah, Parker Kingston was beating the corner. You know, he, he had a couple of go routes that he had a step on the corner. But the safety was shading because like Parker was only able to really create space when he was running a go route. So the safety was constantly shading him. So like, great, he had a step. But really, that corner's just playing underneath because he knows he's got safety help over the top. And so I, I don't think the receivers played well, but my take that people have disagreed with me on, I thought that was the best game from the offensive line all season long. If you go and you you watch the film and you really got it like the first quarter and a half, once, once it got out of hand, the game script went away, everything went away. So it's totally changed to that point. But the first quarter and a half when it was still close enough that you could see that BYU had a plan and they were trying to execute that plan. I I think that the offensive linemen created more holes for the running game for L.J. Martin and Miles Davis than they have all year. Now, that that doesn't mean that they were fantastic. They weren't Michigan by any stretch. But they were better than they've been. And I think that they were borderline good. But TCU was putting seven and eight guys in the box. And I'm very curious. BYU never checked out of it. They just ran right into it. And so, like, yeah, your offensive lineman they block guys. They were blocking five or six guys just about every time. However, there were seven or eight guys to block. Like, that's not on the offensive line. So here's what I'm asking you. This is a long setup to the question. Do you think that Aaron Roderick is not giving Keaton Slovis two plays? Or is Keaton Slovis not seeing it and he's just – He's got two plays. He can run pass or run a run, but he's not checking out of anything because he doesn't see it. And if that's the case, why is Roderick or Fessy not calling an audible from the sideline? Like we've all seen it, right? Like where the offense goes up and then all of the offensive players look like deer that just saw yeah. like a noise and they all turn and look at the sideline. Like BYU is not doing any of that. So why it, why is there a run play coming out of the huddle? At the line of scrimmage, looking at the box and seeing this is not going to work. Let's check out it. Why is that checkout not happening? That's a good question. I don't know
0: why. And I just pulled up the PFF numbers. And I mean, it agrees with you that the lowest lowest rated players uh, on the team, um, you know, in terms that like Isaac Reich had the worst game of his career. And this is like their pass grade. So their role in the passing game. It's like, you know, lowest rated guys who played. On offense, Isaac Rex, pass game, Uh, (laughs) 43.4. Then it's like Cody Epps, 53.8. Keanu Hill, 52.9. Keelan Marion, 53.8. Darius Lassiter, 48. Uh, But he did really good run blocking. And then, um, you know, Miles Davis, 52.7. And then it gets up and then Chase played really well and scored an 80 overall. But it's, so the receivers did really well. And it's, I mean, I think that's part of it is the, Keem Slovis had the worst game of his career. The they were stacking the box and the receivers just could not get open, like, and there and was no reason to...
1: there were more drops last week than I can remember there being. Yeah, the
0: I don't know how many. Uh, honestly, I could think of two or
1: three off the top of my head. I mean, it yeah, was like,
0: I think uh, receiving, do they
1: have drops usually? Do yeah, let's see, where did it go? It just Hard- wasn't great, and Slovy was not great either. Our guy Slovy just it was oh yeah so there were
0: oh i guess they only flagged a drop on Lester and a drop on rex so okay, i mean so. it's kind of if there may be somewhere it's like you know it's a I thought F- F- yeah
1: anyway. yeah
0: um but it was you know there's it just the rec- the receiving game i think that's really been i mean at this point we know i'm trying to how kind of to phrase this so looking back the offensive line From week one, everyone's complained about them. Uh, I went back and looked at this, and the offensive line, according to PFF, so take it from what it's worth, is just using some talking point, has graded not terribly, but the running back groups in terms of ball carriers and actually getting around people, breaking a tackle, making someone miss, uh, maybe – missing the hole, running to the wrong hole like there is a crease but they don't take it all that the running back group is one of the is the lowest rated position group on the team and that's overall. i
1: mean that shouldn't be surprising to anybody i mean the whole group was new and lj's a, a new yeah. college game so he i had don't his best game forget yardage and all that stuff yeah. his vision was the best against TCU that it's been all year and should be super encouraging for any BYU fan if there's yes. one silver lining and really it's two but they go hand in hand i thought the offensive line did well not great but well and they hadn't been well right so well is good yeah. offensive line did well and and miles davis is who he thought he was like if he's got a straight line to run and he can get to the edge like he's going to get there if he has to run physical it's not going to work but he is who miles he is. davis is adam
0: hine same person
1: yeah i mean he is who he is and lj martin i think he took a step forward last week but that's yeah. the really the only silver lining i can think of
0: So back to kind of me going the long way around. So with the receivers where they've just really struggled and they overall, I think I've been largely disappointed. I mean, chase has been great and obviously Cody Epps has been hurt. Um, I feel like Keanu Hill has taken a step back. He's definitely taken a step back in his impact. I don't know if that's because he doesn't have somebody as good as Puka Nakua to, create space for him and we talked about this in the off when people you know with like keelan marion and uh darius lassiter or i said it's like i like Lassiter; he's a body he fits and it's like if he's your third guy it doesn't really matter who your third guy is as long as your one and two are pretty solid your third yeah. guy should be able to work around in the middle and i think we expected you know hill to be a good second guy and he just hasn't been like it's yeah. the so i think it's you know kind of like a Kind of like a 2012, 2013 scenario where it's like you got Cody Hoffman and nobody else
1: is it, what it the feels receiver is. Like it and like it's that.
0: the talent is there, but it's just something
1: across the board is out of sync. And it's like So I'm not sure. I think it's the quarterback. I mean, I really do. And and that's not to say that I think Keaton Slovis is bad. I have been a defender of Keaton Slovis and I, I will stand by that. I think he's very good. And when he's in. You know, when when the game script allows him to be what Keaton Slovis is, he's usually effective. Those are the games he has good games. I I just don't think he fits with what Aaron Roderick wants to do. I mean, they are trying to like force him to to move around and run the ball. Aaron Roderick needs athleticism at the quarterback position, and Slovis just doesn't have enough. Now, again, like I say, when there's those games that The defensive game plan allows Slovis to have a little bit of extra time. He makes every throw he needs to. I think he's still, he's got an NFL arm. I think he's got an NFL future. Does he get drafted? I don't know. I mean, is he ever going to beat Pat Mahomes? No, but I think he's going to make money playing football in the next couple of years. I absolutely believe that because I think he's got that skill set, but he's not the type of quarterback that has had success, right? Like right now, I would pick, if I'm starting an NFL team, I'm taking Keaton Slovis over Baylor Romney 100 times out of 100. If I'm Aaron Roderick and I run that offense the way I do, the way Aaron Roderick does, Baylor Romney's my guy because he can move just enough. Like Slovis just is not athletic enough to do what Aaron Roderick's quarterbacks have done during his tenure. People want to say that it's, well, yeah, well, like, of course, there's a step back. Zach and Jaron, they were two NFL guys. That's true. But I think Keaton's an NFL guy too. I think that the difference is, is Zach and Jaron were athletes. They could do those speed options on third down. They could move the pocket. Like, they could make those things happen. They could throw on the run. Like, I I am, I quease every time I see it. But it's a staple in Aaron Roderick's offense, and it's open a lot of the time. But when Slovis runs it, it just is like setting up for failure when when they run that, that bootleg action and then they mm-hmm. stop and throw back to the opposite side of the field. That's a staple. I mean, that's been there since Jeff Grimes. Zach did that. Jaron did that. But they were athletic enough that they could also tuck it and run, right? So it really was like a kind of a, a weird RPO almost, right? But Slovis doesn't have that ability. So it's purely a pass play, and he's so slow, and it just – he doesn't move like those other two did. That it's like this. This play doesn't work. This this play shouldn't be called right now. I know that's part of the bread and butter of the offense, but it doesn't suit Keaton Slovis. And I think that that is. I mean, that's the nucleus for me of the offensive problems right now. The offensive line hasn't been fantastic, right? And the receivers have. They were bad against TCU, in in my opinion. But I think that just it just is a weird fit right now. And, and and maybe that's, I don't know, indictment's the wrong word, but maybe that's like Aaron Roderick, Coach Roderick, what are you doing? Man? Like, can we can we tweak this game plan a little bit more to suit his strengths? And maybe they don't have the personnel to do it. Maybe Aaron Roderick just doesn't want to do it. Maybe he believes you know that, that Keaton can run these plays. But that feels like the biggest problem right now to me is that that is just dysfunctional. That's not a lack of talent for Slovis. He's not a terrible quarterback. I think he's very, very good. And against Tech this week, that Texas Tech defensive line, I don't think will put as much pressure on Slovis as TCU did. I think that they'll be able, like, he's going to have a little bit more time. And as a result, I think we're going to see Slovis play considerably better. He's going to look like he did against Cincinnati or even like Kansas, you know, the, the interceptions notwithstanding, like the one to Rex.
0: Yeah. I, I so, think that's look- what
1: he is. But it's just like this offense just feels like yeah you are trying to like make me run a marathon like people run marathons and maybe i can do something else but i can't run a marathon and and that's i'm looking at this on pff it's like so if
0: i go across the board so it's like passing so that's the quarterback play and i'll use the ranks and we've talked about this bunch there's a lot of clustering in the middle of the road like there's not much of difference between like 50 and 60 whatever versus like, you know, very top and in the, you know, the extreme bottom and I'll just use the ranks just because the like ranges, it's not like 75 is good for every position just because of how they greet them. Um, but it's like quarterback 49, uh, run blocking 66 receivers, 62nd pass blocking, uh, pass blocking was good 29. And then the running back groups, 125 out of 133 yeah they so pff hates the way that the running backs are playing and it's like it's pretty noticeable that they are they're not impressed with how our ball carriers are doing and and that's another thing that can spread out the defense that has also kind of been a staple and we've seen is like there's times when the jet is there and we hand it off and it's just like dude make somebody miss like yeah. what you're getting tackled for a two-yard loss when it's just one-on-one you got to make a move and so it's there's uh, i like what you said and i think it's really i mean i'm not the people who are clamoring for like a rod to be fired are idiot. ridiculous idiot. But if you idiot. are that
1: but, person listener you're an idiot don't yeah, be an idiot, idiot. but Remember something the- said dwight truth was taught don't be an idiot and every time he has to do something he asks himself would an idiot do this thing?" And if they would, he doesn't do that thing. Well, idiots who want A Rod to be fired, you guys are in that boat now. You need to start following yeah. Dwight Truth's How to Not Be an Idiot guide. Yeah. And I don't think the,
0: and so that's really just overall. And it's it's also not just, I think people assume that like when it's an offensive coordinator, that it's literally it's just like, he's the one, he game plans everything. He's the one who calls 100% of the plays, like everything. He's just like, he's controlling the whole show and then basically telling the other coaches, this is what we're going to do. So go run some drills around this. And that's not really how it works. It's very collaborative. And I mean, that was the big complaint with Clemson last season was that everyone in the building had been there for a long time. And so there was not this like infusion of ideas. And I think, you know, so we're doing what has worked for the last, you know, multiple of years and it's worked well since 2018 of varying levels of effectiveness depending on you know the experience of the players that we had and whatnot and who we're going against but it's not like that i mean there is something where it's you saying it's like it's not mashing together but it's like okay there's this staff as a whole is missing somebody to say like you know we got to do this differently and or like we need to change or got to do tweak something because it's not working. And it's not, I will say it's, they're not dumb. They know also know, they're very well aware that it's not working. They're more frustrated yeah. than anybody else yeah. that's not working. They're trying to do things differently, little, you know, tweaking things, but they also have to be mindful that you can't just rip out everything because really, and we, you have two days of practice yeah. in any given week. And then you're doing your walkthrough and then you're getting
1: ready for the game. People don't realize you, that. I mean, you just touched yeah. on something, and I think that the the average fan—I mean, myself—up until a couple of years ago, uh, it's not like they're practicing. You know, games on Saturdays. BYU takes Sundays off, and then they practice Monday through Friday. Like they're practicing Monday no, and, and, it's, and really and Tuesday and Wednesday.
0: Yeah, it's like Mondays your recovery day. You're doing your install. Where so? I mean, even we did this in high school. It's like Monday we were in shells and you're not in contact. Tuesday and Wednesday are your hard days. Thursday is your walkthrough. You don't even have your helmet on. And then like right. the, you're really only practicing two days a week. Like it's yeah. academic work or on Monday. Yeah. And so there's, um, so with that, it's like, they're trying different things, but you also have to realize mm-hmm. that, okay, you have in fall camp, you know, you have your, you're practicing Monday through Friday for like four weeks. You have like 23 practices or whatever you know, then you're really getting actual practices for 12 weeks of the season. You have like 24, if you have 12 games, right. Or I mean you have your bye weeks so you got like 26 hard practices baked <laughs> into your schedule for yeah. the rest of the season. So basically like 40% of your practice time is done by the first snap of the season. And so you're trying to figure it out. They know. And it's also hard because you don't know what they're being asked to do. And if it's, yeah. you know, players keep doing things wrong over and over again, then you also have to look because You know, there's different skills and coaches like recruiting is a skill and making those relationships with players coming up with a game plan and scheme design is a skill coming up, you know, recognizing that in the moment and calling plays at the time is a skill. And then Mm -hmm. also being able to explain it in a way that players understand it is a skill and motivating your players is also a skill. Like there's a wide set of skills and it seems like now that, I mean, I think ultimately there's probably a lot of it is just a talent issue. Where we are playing tougher. I mean, we're playing tougher teams, and we're in a tougher schedule. It's not, you know, it's it's not a water. There's not these extra games kind of baked in that we've had. You know, where where the really light games where we look really really good against these G five teams. And I know we had the you know we went seven and zero versus the Pac twelve in Boise and or whatever in twenty twenty one. But those were a lot of close games that should have been flipped the other way. Or yeah, could have been flipped the other it way, is. And, and, and they end up at close games the same way that Kansas. You know, and that Kansas game could have flipped the other way, and we could be five and one. That Arkansas game could have flipped the other way, and we're three and three. Yep. And so it's there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of moving pieces that you're trying to cram together and fit together. And I think it's at the point where there. I think we will see some type of. We need some offensive innovation. And so somebody needs to come in. And a lot of times it's hard when, why you see these, like there's no offensive staff that is just like the same group of people for like five years in a row without any kind of change. It's really hard to do. And a lot of times it's like something's weak link. And it's a lot of times you move on from some, the weak link, not because they're doing anything wrong, but you just like, you're like, Hey, we need a new ideas. We need someone else from a different tree to come up and, give some new ideas and I don't know, like for example, in the run game, A-Rod's obviously not an offensive line guy. I don't know how much, like, uh, so it's like they funk came in and said, okay, this is what Grimes, you know, this is what Grimes is. This is the run game that Grimes installed. It clearly works. Keep doing that. And now if teams have clued on into it, figured it out. I don't know if maybe either between in the run game is a collective thing, but like between Steve Clark, you know, Harvey Unga, and Darryl Funk is one of those guys there that can be an actual run game coordinator and say, this is what we need to change. And with, with some level of creativity, because with the talent struggles we're going to perpetually face, we always like, we need to be the most creative staff in the game and, Mm -hmm. or one of in trying to, you know, mix things up. And I think a lot of it is maybe just teams are cluing in on it and we don't have the talent to just, just play with some mistakes, so we need to add some more wrinkles in it. Maybe the the scheme is a little stat, too stagnant at this point. World I got team- creative yeah.
1: today. Do you want to hear oh, my creative me. to my life? Yes. I bought a whole chuck roll instead okay. of sticks and just carved it myself.
0: So okay. I got a I
1: twenty-six that. pound chuck roll for five ninety-nine a pound. So what is that? One hundred fifty bucks, some odd. Yep. And I just got done with it. And I, I'm up here at, at the, the cabin, right? So I'm not really, I don't, I'm not at home. So I threw away a lot that would have been ground beef. Probably had five to seven pounds of, uh, could have been, you know, 70, 30 ground beef. It would have been pretty good. I also got um, the Chuckeye. eye You've heard of the Chuckeye. eye If you haven't yes. heard chuck of the chuck is, eye. Chuck eye is good. Chuckeye eye is the ribeye. The chuck and the ribeye, they are connected. So there's on the chuck when you get a whole chuck, uh, there's I don't know six eight inches worth of meat depending on the size of the cow that really is an extension of the ribeye. So I think I had five chuckeye steaks off of this for five ninety nine a pound. I'm getting essentially ribeye steak five ninety nine a pound. You aren't gonna get that anywhere else. I got I think I had fourteen to sixteen uh, Denver steaks. Which are very very good. If you haven't had a Denver steak, go to a real butcher, not a grocery store. They'll have Denver steaks, and get that, and you will enjoy it. Uh, I also pulled off. They call it the Sierra steak. Kind of looks like a flank steak. Very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I had. I think we had four. No, three. Three roasts that I got out of this. It's a ton of meat, and so you save a that way. You save. I actually
0: meat. did this. I did the same thing last week as I'm, you know, coming into my midlife dad life. Yeah, welcome, uh, welcome. Finally, uh, finally made the purchase. Uh, you know, got got the garage freezer. Ooh! Uh, made a trip to the Kirkland Temple. Yeah, uh, you know, so not not the regular Costco. I went to the business center Costco. Yeah, those are and, we have
1: one of those in Salt Lake these days.
0: And it's you know, so I <laughs> loaded up. I got a let's see, I bought eighty pounds of chicken. No oh, yeah and then I did they were out of the chuckles unfortunately so did you get yours from a butcher Is that, uh, a I butcher went order to
1: or? I was just at a Macy's right so just a local mm-hmm. grocery store and I just went to the butcher block and I just said hey do you have any whole chuck rolls that are still like cryovac and they said yeah we do we don't normally sell them and I said well would you and she said I guess there's no reason not to so how does 5.99 a pound sound sounds great there we go so and i didn't they didn't have any
0: chuck rolls uh so but i got a strip loin and did the same yeah, thing so i, I just be. cut so it was 6.99 a pound it was it was choice it wasn't prime but it was decent decent choice uh you're going to be hard pressed to find decent uh new york strips for 6.99 a pound and mm-hmm. yeah so i sliced and i just man, cut into like i don't know maybe 12 15 steaks yeah, and I did. I, I did the math on it, and uh, I paid for the half. Uh, I paid for <laughs> half the freezer, just in what I saved from that one run. No, um, uh, that it, one protein it's, run.
1: It's the right way to do it. I also bought a meat slicer. If there's a TikTok, oh, account, I've had a meat
0: slicer for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Meat I, slicer, just, I just I
1: one. Like, uh, meat Dad on TikTok. If you've never heard of him, go find him. I meat have. Dad. He's just an old butcher just telling you how to save money so i'm just becoming a disciple of meat dad
0: yeah the definitely you can save a lot of money slicing cuz cuz if you go to like a restaurant supply store or go to Costco whatever Dude, it's you can get 14
1: dollars a pound for turkey breast now yeah
0: like, if 14. you want like the good stuff and but if you buy the whole thing it's cheaper and if you go to the normal grocery store they usually i mean you can pick it out and they slice it fresh for you but it's they don't usually give you a discount for a lot of times at the grocery store for buying the whole thing. So they'll just like, well, you can buy a whole thing, but we slice it for you. And so you got to go to like a Costco Sam's club, uh, or a restaurant supply. But sometimes at the grocery store, you can ask for nubs. Ah. Um, where it's like when they get down and there's just a little bit left and so they can't really like display it partially done in the case and so you can ask for a nub and they will discount that and so it is kind of nice if they have a few different things you just want to try it that you can get a smaller amount uh at the kind of the wholesale closer to a wholesale price if you go mm-hmm. go to the butcher and ask for the nub so we've gotten way past tcu we've gotten into the uh meat
1: okay. well we do have one we've other thing to- CU that we have to talk about We talked a lot about the offense, but the defense also gave up 44 points. Yeah. We didn't talk about the defense. Um, And here is my take. I'm ready for a take. Here's my take. My take is this. The safeties aren't as bad as everybody thinks they are, but because there are injuries, it's easy to point at them. But they, they haven't been as bad as you think. It's not always Ethan Slade's fault. Like, it is usually Malik Moore's fault, and that's why he's not playing. But everybody else, it's not always Crew Akeley's fault. It's not always Ethan Slade's fault. They've played well. Tanner Wall turns out he was pretty damn good and BYU missed Tanner Hall last week. Or Tanner Wall. Uh and we're so miss him for the rest of the year. We're gonna miss him done. for a while. Yep. Um it, it isn't I as bad as it seems.
0: The definitely the the biggest disappointment across I think has definitely been, I mean has been the linebackers. Um we've seen, you know, we Ben Bywater is done for the year. All uh right. Harrison Taggart has struggled to get up to speed and how he's, he's playing. Well,
1: but I mean he's played like a freshman playing his first rep.
0: Yeah. I mean he, he's they I think and you kind of brought this up with the uh you mentioned this on the Discord and there were kind of some people who disagreed of like you think some of these like COVID seniors where it's like maybe they're a little bit apathetic or maybe not apathetic because obviously they're excited to be playing the Big 12, but like the motivation from them has to be pretty intrinsic because they've heard the spiels. They've been along like how many times can you go to an all hands meeting at the same company you've worked at and how many times you just like roll your eyes and like, Oh, cool. Okay. Let me go grab my muffin that they brought out here and go back to my desk because you're not like, Oh yeah, this is the best company ever. I'm so excited about my new job. Like that wears off and I kind of feel like Max Thule is there.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, Max
0: Thule. Let, let's give some
1: context of, of what we talked yeah. about. Yeah, for those of you who are not on the Discord, I had a hot take on our Discord. If you haven't joined, give them hell Join, send Garrett a message just in case you don't get access to VIP. Garrett will get you taken care of. Don't send yeah. me a message because I 100% of the time say talk to Garrett. He's the brains. So just bypass me, talk to Garrett. Uh, I had a hot take where I said, I believe it. I think this is not just a BYU thing, though. BYU is who we're going to talk about. BYU is a, a microcosm of, I think, this, this phenomenon that is happening across the country. The COVID senior needs to move on. The the guys who have been in the programs, and, and I think you're seeing this everywhere, right? You're seeing even Georgia, right? Georgia's still undefeated. there's still Georgia. But they're struggling a little bit more at times this year than Georgia should. And I think any of these teams that are senior laden teams that have had guys like a Max Thule, like a, you know, our guy Isaac Rex, like this is not, you know, they're not bad players. Ben Bywater, Keaton Slovis, I I think they're great players. But college football is so. Motivational, like it is rah rah. It is coaches getting guys fired up. It is, you know, locker room. So much of it is mental. And there's a jump when you go from college to the NFL where it becomes more professional. They still go through the mental coaching and all that stuff, <clears throat> but it's different. It's not as, you know, rah rah in the locker room, coaches hyping you up. There's no motivational speeches at halftime. It's it's very different in the NFL. And I think that these COVID seniors, these guys who have been playing college football for a long time, and BYU has a lot of them, I think that they are checked out. Look at Alabama. Alabama's got a lot of upperclassmen. Now, Alabama has their quarterback issues, but Alabama is struggling in games that they should not be struggling in. Look at K.J. Jefferson. He's been around for a long time down there at Arkansas. He's still the same guy that he's been for his entire career, and he's playing in this, you know, a different offense, but a similar scheme, playing for the same team. And he just looks bored. He just looks bored out there. Uh, I think you're seeing it at Notre Dame with uh, Hartman. I think he took, you know, he came out and lit the world on fire in week one. He kind of looked pedestrian and looked a little bit bored. Ever since. Now, are there exceptions to this? Of course there are. Michael Penix looks fantastic at Washington. It's not that these guys don't care. They do. But I think that when you That's have been, in, Well, yeah, when you when you have been in a program <coughs> for four or five years, and for BYU, a lot of them have been this is their fifth year. You've heard every speech that Kalani has. You've heard all of the rah-rah stuff, all the motivational stuff. And at some point, you just sort of are numb to it. And I think that that's a problem because when you see Harrison Taggart on the field, uh, does he make more mistakes than a Ben Bywater? Of course he does. Like you absolutely defended a hundred percent. Yes. That is an objective truth. He's making more mistakes, but that dude plays with some fire. That dude's excited to be on the field. Like he plays with heart and that's not to say that Ben Bywater doesn't care, but it's different, right? Like, Ben Bywaters, there's nothing that he is seeing that he hasn't seen before. And so he's, you know, you're kind of just going through the motions, especially at BYU where you've been an independent and now you're not. That's great. But it it doesn't just, it's not a switch that happens for these players. These players have grown up at this BYU program of one or two losses and your season's pretty well over and done. Like that doesn't like, you can't just shake that and be like, oh yeah, but we're in the big 12 now. So we're still super hyped. Like no, because they've had four or five years of a certain way. It doesn't just—it's not a switch. Like the that's ingrained in their mentality a little bit. And they've got to work out of that. So I think okay. that the COVID senior—that's my hot take. The COVID senior, it will be better for BYU when those guys move on. You'll lose and, a lot of production. There will be more issues. There will be freshman mistakes. You'll miss the experience. You will, but I think you can coach experience. But once a guy is kind of bored, you can't – it's really hard to get somebody engaged. I can go and hire a new employee and train them, and there will be that learning curve. But it's really hard for me to get a employee who's checked out re-engaged. And I think that yeah. that's where we're at.
0: And and I think a lot of them – I mean, the guys, like maybe Ben Bywater has an NFL chance. I mean, maybe I think not he does. so much now. But with the injury of Siawe just coming around, like he'll he'll get a look – um, probably as an undrafted free agent next year, but it's—I mean—the guy's like Max Tuli's old man. I remember when yeah. Mitch Harper and Bean Mace were still doing the Cougar Center podcast, and they had Max Tooley on as a guest when he committed with Drew Jensen out of Bountiful High School.
1: 2016 like, was when he committed. Yeah, it's, it's like that is forever dead. ago, and it's Bronco. like remember he was Max Tooley was a guy that we we all thought BYU would lose because Bronco left before he signed. That's how long ago this was.
0: Yeah. And so it's like he's – I mean, whatever his – his NFL prospects are not the surefire thing. Otherwise, he would have left already. And he's at his ceiling of he is what he is. And so it's – yeah, it's somewhere in the scene where it's like they've been around and they're just fine, right? Like it's they're not hurting anything, but they're also kind of blocking guys from getting – you getting know, better, more, right? Like you, you can create it's this log where it's you're always going to have to replace people. Yeah, but it's a lot easier if you're in a rhythm of replacing three guys on your defense every
1: year than having eight guys leave and you only return three because the, you have this when, like log jam of people. When you look at the defense right now, it feels like it has been by and large the same team for four years. Yeah, like Malik, Malik Moore knows. is still playing. Malik Moore, what didn't he like have his breakout game? With Isaiah Heron at Michigan State? Like, wasn't that the like yeah. the Malik Moore game that we were like, oh, yeah. Uh, well, freaking Taysom was playing in that game. Yeah, like, Malik Moore.
0: Aaron? When does his – he has been here since
1: uh,
0: – oh, what the hell?
1: I, I don't know. He's been here forever. Oh, and
0: they, I, like changed this uh, year by year. So uh, his freshman year was 2018.
1: 2018. So not Michigan State, oh. but – but he's been around for five years. That was Jeff Grimes' first year. That was when Malik Moore entered the program. Jeff Grimes is about to get fired from Baylor, like his next job. That's how long yeah. these guys have been here. And I think that that when you look at the defense, especially Tyler Batty, I think Tyler Batty's great. I think he's got an NFL future. But, like, the dude's been at BYU forever. Like, yeah. how, how excited can you be? to hear the pride of the Wasatch in the locker room every like this is the like I mean if you go through it this is like the sick the 30th 30th game at Lavelle Edwards Stadium that he's been dressed for and it's not like you're getting NFL money you know where you're motivating yourself with your paychecks it's not
0: it's also like you also kind of for a lot of them you recognize like this is I mean you would hope that like the like uh, it's it's hard with the tweeners because you have the guys – well, it's weird because the guys who are going to be super movi- motivated by the fact that like they know this is it for them, they're not going to go to the NFL, yeah. they're not good enough to make a difference, a major difference. <clears throat> and then the guys that are going to the NFL, it doesn't matter what their opinion is, they are going to – they're talented enough to make a huge difference. And it's this kind of tweener thing where it's like if they're fired up, they can – like they're in this gray area, and I feel like we just have a lot
1: of that gray area. Caden um, Haas Okay, I am about to turn 35. So by every definition, I am in my mid 30s. Caden Haas committed to BYU when I was firmly in my 20s. I was 28 when he committed to BYU. Yeah. So like, there's be, so many guys on defense that have been around forever. And that's great. They're still probably the best guys to play. Like they're the most talented. They have the experience. Blah 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 blah. But you're not seeing the growth. You're not seeing guys behind them. You know, push anybody. The overall defense is not getting better. And I feel like Jay Hill is doing the best that he can right now. But I I think that BYU will be better off once some of these guys who've been around for that long, when they move on, there will still be mistakes. There will still be issues, problems, whatever. But Jay Hill can coach the way that Jay Hill coaches, like the mental side, the locker room side, the rah-rah crap in the offseason, the weight room, all that stuff. Like he can do it the way that he knows how to do it. And it will be new, it will be fresh, and it will be effective. But for guys who have seen it through multiple coaches now, multiple coordinators now, and through for a lot of these guys, multiple uh, different programs, and it's kind of the same thing everywhere they go, uh, I think they're checked out. I think that there's just a yeah. lot of like, we know what we're doing. Leave us alone and we'll show up on game days. Yeah.
0: Um, looking down that 20 other, the rest of that 2016 class. Okay. So Hayden Livingston, uh, he hung it up during camp, didn't he? This year, he was on the roster at the beginning this of the year. Last year, last year, yeah. Um, and then, okay. Troy Warner was a Juco, Hanson Druco. Drew Jensen finished last year. Uh, Jonah was a Juco. Keenan Peely is still playing, just not at BYU. <laughs> Max Tule, we talked about. Alevi Hifo, non a mission guy, finished. Hank hung it, got hurt. Uh, Keanu Cial- Saliapaga should have been playing, but then also had his grades issues. Like, oh, Jaren is Jaren. Darius McFarland let go from the program. Alemo Peely, Mai never panned out. He was pushed out last year. Uh, after last year, Sione Finau had that. Will will forever have that Boise State game. Uh, Salofa <laughs> Funa never showed up. Clark Barrington is dead to us. Caden Hawes still hanging around. Skylar Southam transferred to Utah. Jackson Kafusi oh, was yeah. around for a long time, kind of pushed out. Nice Amahe still kicking it around. He's in that Caden Hawes category. JT Gentry, nothing happened. Chris Wilcox uh, got drafted. Freddie Levi, that is the name I've not thought about in a long time. Uh, Lisala Tai needs to go to class every once in a while, Herc law to transfer to UCF, then transfer to like Montana tech or something like that. So that was yep.
1: there's a lot. There's dudes that are still there. Most of them, a lot of them still out of eligibility. And, and then that's to 27. The, that's the extreme example, right? Like 2017 was still a million years ago and you have a lot more guys, right? Like you go yeah, through so that 2017 Water, Tyler Batty, yeah. Isaac Rex, Ammon Hanneman. I mean, you've got a yeah. lot more guys who are still on that, the roster right now yeah and so there's
0: i think guys uh, are just there's a lot of dudes that just dipped too like they didn't end up ever being anything we had our hit rate for like multiple classes in a row was just so bad
1: not great it's
0: we are really lucky that the portal is a
1: thing otherwise our (laughs) goose would be cooked for the next half a decade yeah it's it's interesting so that's my hot take uh people you know don't have to agree i don't really care if you agree with me or not but i think that uh, when, when Ciale Asera got onto the field in garbage time, that dude was jacked to be playing college football. He was yeah. so excited. And you could see the heart. You could see the passion. And I'm not saying that these guys that we just, you know, talking about, they they don't – I'm not saying they don't have heart and they don't have passion. I'm saying that they are adults playing college football and they're playing with a bunch of, you know, kids. It's hard to do that. It's just hard to do that. I mean – imagine, right? Like once you turned 19 years old or maybe 18 now, I guess that the mission age has changed. But once you turn 18 years old and you graduated high school, for those of us who are a little bit older and, and when you didn't leave on missions till you were 19, uh, that remember that weird time, that period of time when you were like, I am too old for young men's, but I haven't left on a mission. And then they would be like, so are you coming to mutual on Wednesdays? <laughs> No, why, why, would I, why would I go to mutual, man? Like, I graduated high school. I, I got bigger and better plans. I think BYU has a lot of guys with bigger and better plans, and I think that that is a, a larger component of what's happening on the field than anybody wants to admit. That's probably true, Jeff. It has been good to be back in the saddle. I've got
0: to run to a dinner at this conference. No. Uh, we're going to try to be a little more regular. We're going to do it. Let's uh, commit we're going to commit we got to sit down and figure out the time because you've been promoted multiple times you have like you're you're basically running the whole damn operation at tab bank now since we started this thing you were just a you were a scrub but now you're the head military figure in charge and so it your schedule is a little wonky they actually want you to show up and come to an office some days like who the hell does that in 2023 almost 2024 but it's been good we will be back next week. We're going to be back on the schedule. Uh, if you missed the announcement, uh, the Daily Dose is on the shelf for now uh, just because mm-hmm. it is very consuming. I've seen some other people asking because you tweeted about it. Maybe you should post a video to the channel kind of explaining. Probably. Because well, people are like, I haven't seen anything. I checked this channel and there's nothing there. What happened to him? Um, so you're not dead. No. Gratefully, grateful for that. Uh, you're alive and well. And – we're gonna be back. We're back in the saddle. Our schedules are freed up a
1: little bit now, and you're we're recovering. We're, we're recovering, getting... and 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 I know you're running, but I just for those who didn't see the tweet, who didn't see the announcement, I uh, I have a lot of things on my plate. I said yes to too many things. I do a lot. If you don't know, do a lot with high school football. Work with KSL. A lot of broadcasts and stuff there every single week. I run twenty four seven. We run our newsletter here. We have this podcast. A and then I, I do have a, a a real job that actually pays my bills. So, yeah, YouTube, it was a lot on my plate. And uh, I needed to take a step back, I had a little breakdown. So I needed to take a step back. Maybe it comes back in the off season. Maybe it never comes back. I don't know. But that's the announcement. So glad you brought that up. I meant to bring that up and forgot about it. Yeah, we are, but we're back, and we're still giving them hell. Until
0: next week. Give them hell.